it's been a long time since we've rock and rolled. But that all changes this August as Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville. This annual convention brings together rock artists, fans, and podcasters for an unforgettable rock experience. Special guests this year include Billy Sheehan, Ron Keel, Don Jameson of That Metal Show, and current and former members of Winger, LA Guns, Accept, and more. Stage panels, signing sessions, and photo ops will be available, plus lots of vinyl and memorabilia vendors. Music podcasters from all over North America will be appearing on site for live interviews, speaking sessions, networking, and more. Got a music podcast? Register and join us. Rockin' Pod Weekend kicks off with a pre-party featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Skeo and his new band Resist and Bite making their debut performance, as well as a rare hair set featuring surprise guests performing all-time classics. Rockin' Pod Weekend takes place August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP passes, podcast registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockandpod.com. Rockin' Pod is brought to you by DBG Productions, Bradley Entertainment, and Inceptia. Welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today, returning from the Pods and Sods Network, Mr. Craig Smith. Craig, how you doing? Uh, quite well. How are you? I'm doing great. This is I'm excited for the topic we're going to talk about today because when I started this podcast, I made a list of bands I wanted to talk about, and one of those bands was the Monkees. But also with that caveat, you had pretty much done every episode I wanted to do already, so I didn't know what the <laughs> heck I was going to do. Well, if Ken Mills has taught us anything, it's that there is one enough room for many podcasts under the same umbrella, but also that there is room for many monkeys podcasts and uh, all of us uh, kind of throw something different into the ring, I think. So yep. um, yeah, never, never worry about a topic being taken because monkeys fans will listen to the same topics being talked about by different people. And it's always a good time. Totally. Totally, yeah. So I, I, I go with this new twist of it started out as something I literally used to do just to kill time as a kid. I would make up fictitious set lists for bands I liked, and I kept doing it into as an adult. Now I do it on my phone. If I'm sitting in an effort, I'll make up like a fictitious set list for like Motley Crue or Judas Priest or whoever, and I'll just scroll that down. And I was like, what if I made this into a podcast? So this is kind of my first attempt at that. I thought it might be fun to try it with the monkeys, and you are the person that kind of helped introduce me to the monkeys. So I figured this was the perfect time to have you back on. Well, thank you. And not only that, but I, I'm a bit of a set list junkie. Like I've oh, always dude. been very much into set lists. And I remember, I might even still have it somewhere uh, in a box. I remember 
trying to bullshit uh, Ian, my co-host on my sidecast, Moronophonics, with a fake set list from the Kiss music from the Elder Tour, which of course never happened. <laughs> uh, and I wrote it down on a piece of paper and passed it back through a couple people in uh, in math class. And so I've always been into set lists and you know getting into bands like Fish. Like I have. Excel spreadsheets of tours and just what songs were played and what songs were played only once. And so I really uh, get way deep into that kind of stuff. So when you asked me about this, I was like, oh, this is totally, totally up my alley. Nice. Yeah, I'm the same way. I love going on sites like Setless FM or if there's one for like just dedicated to a band, like the, we have the Monkeys Live Almanac and just seeing like, oh, wow, like in 86, there was a Davy and Peter tour in Australia and they've like going to buy me a dog. Like, what the hell? Yeah. I maintained a no doubt one back in like 1997 when the internet was young. Um, and back then it was kind of like, you know, uh, people just mailing them to me literally sometimes just a picture of what they'd written down at the show. And so, um, uh, you know, the, the only thing about Setlist FM, it, it bums me out because somebody in particular uh, went and messed up all of the monkeys set lists in there because there's a, Monkeys Live Almanac is a website which you should go to if you're a Monkeys fan. Crazy rundowns of every tour. It's brilliant. Um, But somebody went through and took like the example set list and pasted it into every show as if they never varied the set list, which they did. And, and, you know, I came across a Monkeys show I saw in 1987 and I remembered specifically songs that were played that, that weren't on there. And I was like, well, fuck that. All the stats are wrong now. Like, you know, so when you look up monkeys on Setlist FM, you got to take it with a grain of salt, uh, but um, it gives you a rough outline of at least what was performed during each tour. Nice. So let's start with like our monkeys fandom. I know you've talked about it before, but how did you jump on the monkeys train? So to speak, <laughs> Um, well, uh, I remember seeing it when I was a child, I was seven or eight, and this would have been the early eighties, um, syndicated run. And then when I was 13, I remember seeing an ad in TV guide saying that MTV was going to have a monkeys marathon. And I remember showing it to my mom and dad. And I was like, wow, I remember this show from when I was a kid, hadn't seen it in years. And I caught like the two last episodes of the marathon and when I was watching it, like I got all these feelings and nostalgia, which was which is weird for a 13 year old. You know, something you saw when you were eight feels like lifetimes ago. And so like the end credits, I remembered them so distinctly and things like that. And then, you know, once they started to be shown on MTV more, I started to really fall down the rabbit hole. And um, that December, right before Christmas, my mom passed away and that Christmas, I ended up receiving the entire run of the Rhino reissues on LP. Um, so it was nine albums that Christmas day, and I just got enti- lost in it and and did that for months and months and months. Just listened to nothing but this stuff. And so um, it, it's, I, I think, just kind of the time in which, uh, you know, I discovered them again uh it was an important time and they they were a good source of uh escapism and i think that's why it's kind of stuck with me all these years that's cool i'm so, sorry about your mom by the way uh no, it's- yeah it's it's kind of interesting though that you say that because my dive in kind of came around the same 
not not I didn't lose a parent, but I lost a sibling uh, around that time. And I lost a sibling. I lost an, and I lost a grandparent. I lost my first grandparent, like kind of like within like months of each other. And that was just like that was when I was deciding to jump in. But before I got to that, the first time I heard of the monkeys, I remember I was watching and may, way too young watching mind you, I was watching Austin Powers, uh, the second movie. And uh, I'm a believers in there. And I was watching Oh, I didn't my, remember that. Yeah, and I was at my grandparents and my grandma goes, oh, that's the monkeys. And like, the band's called the monkeys? She goes, yeah, they're really good. I'm like, and okay, whatever, grandma. Like, I was I was into the cars at the time. So that was just uh, like, if it wasn't the cars or Rick Ocasek, I had no interest in it. Right. But uh, that was how I first heard of them. And I kind of just always thought of them as this little 60s pop group, like Herman's Hermits or uh, The Association, you know, bands like that. Mm -hmm. uh, they're good i like that music but i'd never really dived into it and then i remember when good times came out like there was a lot of buzz about the monkeys like yeah. them coming back together and we're doing this album and i was like there's a lot of nostalgia for this band and then when i started listening to pods and sods like it just sounded like there was so much more to them than just this 60s like i thought they're just like a 60s pop group like herman's hermits but uh the, I, did, I didn't know there was a tv show i didn't know like you know all the like the changes, like there was a three-man monkeys at one point, and then Michael Nesbitt and Solo, like all this stuff that went on. Like they're like, it's almost like in a way getting into Kiss. Like I know yeah. you don't like Kiss that much anymore, but uh, <laughs> you know there's like so much stuff you can dive into, and I love I love it when a band's like that. I love it when you can get into like it becomes a world you can dive into. So right around that time, I really needed something to like escape into, and I was like, okay, I'm doing my monkeys deep dive now. Fuck it, and yeah. I went to Amoeba and I bought. Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. Also and my, like, kind of first one I bought, too. Nice. And I got the first album, and I got Good Times. And I was uh, I was hooked. I was yeah. in. I, I was just like, okay, I got to hear everything. And then I ended up watching the show. And then this is, in, this is the beginning of 2018. And then I was like, this is great. I love this stuff. I'm like, maybe I'll catch Mickey doing a solo show or Mike doing a solo show. I never thought, for the life of me, I would get to see the monkeys. I kind of figured... Because I'd heard that that Pantage show might have been the last one. Yeah. Uh, I kind of figured like, okay, I'll be lucky if I catch a solo show. And then the Mike and Mickey show tour is announced. It's like, holy shit, I can see them live. And with Mike too, I thought if there was going to be a tour, it would be with Peter. So yeah. I saw them in Anaheim. And it was not long actually before Mike had to step out and the tour was postponed for a year. Yeah. But uh, man, that show was it was incredible. Like I thought the audience kind of sucked because I, I was freaking out. Like I was like a hard hardcore at this point. Like I'm like, they're playing auntie's municipal court. How are you guys not freaking out? Why are you screaming yes. Valley Sunday when they're trying to play this song? Shut up. Yeah. I got in, in an argument on Facebook and I don't even know why I bother, but uh, somebody had posted something about that Mike and Mickey tour. I can't believe Mickey would kowtow to Mike and play all of his solo stuff. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like the huh. set was evenly divided between the two of them. If you look at lead vocals and there might've been like two, maybe three solo songs, you know, yeah. it's, I, I mean, aside from like the Davy stuff, there weren't any singles, you know, big singles that weren't played. Like you didn't go there and not hear I'm a believer or pleasant Valley Sunday or even daydream believer. Like right. they were all there. So I don't know what the complaint would be. Yeah. I but, was, I was over the moon. Like I, I was like, this is incredible. So I, it feels like everything that's happened since then, like with the monkeys for me, it's just, I feel really lucky. Like I got to see Mike do a solo show where it was just him. And uh, I think forget the name of his steel guitar player. Is it Pat Finney? Yeah. 
Yeah, Pat Finney. It was just him and Pat Finney, and they did the entire Hits Keep Coming album. Yeah, I didn't see that one. And that show was incredible. And then I saw Mickey do a solo show at the same venue, and that was incredible. And the fact that I get to see them one more time in September, I don't know, it just feels like I just feel really lucky that I get to see them at all. Like, I've, yeah. It's 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 kind of strange when I see people complain online about stuff. I'm like, isn't it just nice to have them here still? Yeah, it's I don't know. Stay away from the comment section. That's that's the the best advice anybody could ever give anyone else. For Kiss, Monkeys, and Judas Priest, stay away. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, same. Uh, so let, let's talk about like since we're, the theme is going to be shows today. When did you first see them? What was your first show? I know you have a lot more shows under your belt than I do. Yeah, I, I have a few. So um, the first time they came around was '86. Um, they played at the stadium, I believe, before a baseball game or something. Hmm. And I and I was into them at that point, but I didn't see them. But I had friends that did, and I and uh, that's when I mean you can't really. It, it's weird to think about now, but '86 was huge for them like having a hit single that was in this is now starting a tour and then the tour starts to get extended and like people i know that are like casual fans of music are going to see them um i saw them the next year in 1987 uh second row seat and uh it was a set list that to it it blew my mind because i'm at that point, it was the summer of 87. I'm, you know, seven months deep into the entire Monkees catalog. And they played like a 40-song a set Whoa. that just had tons of deep cuts. And these are in the days before, like, the Missing Links albums came out and things like that. So they were doing, like, album deep cuts, like Through the Looking Glass and Hold On Girl. Um, they did almost all of Head. Uh, it you know, Zor and Zam, like, I, I was just like, my God, like, and it was nonstop. The pacing was so fast and it was just like so overwhelming and really cemented my fandom. So I saw them in 87, saw them in 89, um, uh, saw Mickey Solo in 91. Uh, and then I guess I saw them again. They came around a couple times in 96 uh, and then didn't see them again until um, the last tour with Davey in 2011. Um, and then I've seen every tour since then. That 2011, uh, that 2011 tour had, had a really good set list too. That Oh my God, it did. It did. Oh, didn't uh, that have all of your toys in it or something? From All of your toys. First, first time performed. Also, I don't think you know me was in there. Um, yeah, early, early morning blues and greens, just ton. Or no, I'm sorry, that was next year. Um, but they kept kind of like, you know, there'd always be a few uh, that they'd kind of dig in and, and get. But that that 2011, you know, they they did a, a tour in 2001 and put it out on DVD, and it was the first time as a Monkees fan I bought it and I watched it and I was like, you know, I don't know that I'm on this train anymore. Like it just wasn't jiving with me. So I nearly didn't go when um, 2011 rolled around until they started the tour overseas. And I saw the set list and I was like, holy shit, what? And that's what made me get tickets. And I was like, okay. And everything reignited again. Was still a fan, still love the old music. I was just like, I don't, I don't like them on stage now with these Vegasy arrangements and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and 2011 was the exact opposite. Like it was, you know, it was the excitement of 1987 
again nearly you know um and sadly davy's last tour you know so very glad i ended up seeing that for a number of reasons you know it's funny you mentioned that dvd too because someone uploaded the thing to youtube and i was just kind of watching like i was going through like monkey stuff to kind of like you know get into the headspace and Mm -hmm. i put that on and i I was like man this is so show tuney oh god yeah i it there's something about i was like it wasn't it's not that they're performing badly it's just I was like, yeah, there's, just, there's energy. It's, it's just the arrangements. Yeah. Yeah. And there, uh, I, I don't, I don't know which one you watched when it came out first, it was like an hour and then King biscuit released the entire uncut show that was almost two hours. Uh, so that floats around out there as well. It was the King biscuit one because. It oh, was oh, there you go. Yeah. There yep. was, yeah, it was, it was good. It was, it was what it was. I was like, I wish, like, I wish there was kind of better, dvd representation of a live show than that (laughs) yes that's always been a sticking point with me like the fact that and there isn't even a good like audience shot version of 1987 out there there are some but they're not great you know they're barely good enough to just hear what's going on (laughs) but you can't see much but it's always been like it you know and it it I went to the Pantages show, you know, it was supposed to be, you know, it was billed as the last time Mike would play as a monkey. Of course, Peter passes away after that and Mike and Mickey tour, yeah. but that show was, was very, very special. And to this day, I wish that that had been somehow filmed and released. Um, but, or, you know, a good time show. The one that we did end up getting was shown on Axis and it was pretty rough. You know, yeah. I think yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's 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 a rough show, rough mix. It's it's just not, you know, no kind of post production mixing or anything like that. It was a live presentation. So uh, yeah, I've always you know it's always been the one thing that I felt like was missing, or a really good live album. Like they put out these uh, live CDs during the early two thousands, and you know they're it's it's the same deal as the live summer tour it's just it's not it's not you know what i wanted in a monkey show and when their solos when their solo sets start to be more johnny be good and you know (laughs) uh mickey's ballad it's like no no you're getting away from like what makes this great so yeah you know it's a shame that those years are heavily documented in the years that were really great you know it's sparse. Thank God we got the Mike and Mickey live album. That's really yeah. good. I, I yeah. love that. Those are my favorite things to come out last year. I also just, I just won an eBay auction for the CD of the Monkeys Live in 67, the Rhino one. Yeah. How was that? Original. So um, I remember, you know, it's funny you should mention that because, you know, early in my fandom, you know, I just came across that at a store and I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, you know, you'd buy the Rhino albums and on the back or in the inside, it would list, you know, what else was available. And it was like, this is new and missing links. What? What? what the hell is so that? Live 1967 is an interesting album. It is very garage bandy. Um, there's also a four CD set that came out with all of the shows that were recorded for shows, um, the live 1967 original album kind of picks and chooses from that. Um, they're, you know, they play pretty rough, but it's very energetic. It's, I mean, don't expect it to sound anything like the record. 
you know, they are they were a a crazy, barely contained beast on stage in 1967. But I enjoy listening to it. You know, uh, half of that might be the memories from just discovering it at the age of 14. But I, I still enjoy listening to that stuff. I'm looking forward to hearing that one. I think it's I think like you, it's going to be like you said, it's going to be very garage bandy. Yeah, I'm, I'll be curious what you think. Yeah, because the vibe I got when I remember watching, I think it's the episode's called "The Monkeys on Tour," the one where mm-hmm. they like shows them like running around doing stuff, and even though the girls are screaming so loud, it's like clipping the microphone. <laughs> yeah, like I can tell they're a very they were a very energetic like garage band on stage, and you kind of got that from a what is it on? It's on Missing Links Two, Circle Sky on Missing Links Two. That yeah. was like yeah. Insane. Have you seen Head? I've seen Head once. I need to okay. re- I need to rewatch it because uh, I was. I was kind of half paying attention when I did watch it, but I enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's worth it just for that clip of them playing Circle Sky Live. It's again, it just makes you sad that more of that doesn't exist from then, even let alone like the '80s and you know the, the tours after that. Like, uh, it's it's a shame that the one per- really professionally filmed thing we have is them doing Circle Sky in 1968. That'd, that'd be it'd be cool if there's more there. Sometimes I wonder, like I was wondering if, did you see the like the live clips they did when around the time the Mike and Mickey show came out of them playing? Yeah. I was I'm wondering if there's like if those were just videos or if they shot a show and it's just sitting somewhere. Yeah, I, I wondered about that. I remember um, people were commenting on it at the time, asking Andrew Sandoval if there would be a live DVD, and he's like, no, these are just kind of like videos that are put together put together to promote the record. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do wonder if they had filmed the whole show, you know, yeah. it, I don't think Rhino would foot the bill to put it out, but you know, yeah. just the fact that it exists there, who knows, maybe one day we could, you know, whatever delivery system exists 10 years from now, you know, <laughs> maybe we can, uh, download all the raw footage and edit it yourself, you know, kind of, who knows what, what media will be like then. But uh, it's it's nice to know that it it exists somewhere, you know. Yeah, I do have a theory, real quick, before we get into the set list, that there's going to be a mic DVD coming because the show I was at, where it was him and his steel guitar player, uh, before he came out. So where I was sitting at this place called the Coach House, I can see like the the band is up. Is that San Juan Capistrano? Yes, it is. You know why I know that? Last Just, train to Clarksville. Uh, no, actually, I I know that from No Doubt playing there. Oh, really? They did like a one-off show there with like a an interesting set list, and it just always stood out in my head. Huh. Yeah, That's interesting. What, yeah, I'm actually going there in a couple weeks to see Lee Rocker and the Stray Cats. So, oh, you know, there you go. I'll be my first show back. But uh, the band is upstairs before the show, and they like basically come down the stairs onto the stage. Mm-hmm. So before that, like two guys came down with a bunch of GoPros and set them up all across the stage, and then oh, they wow. went back up, and then like 15 minutes later, Mike came out. So I'm wondering if we're going to see on 7A like a Hits Keep Coming Live release type thing, like CD, DVD thing. Interesting. Yeah, they've been they've been good with what they've put out. Uh, I, I would love to see, you know. Yeah, it was such a fun show, too. Like, the stories he told. Like, it, it was great. And the other memory I have of that show is, like, people trying to stump me because of my age. Like, how do you know this stuff? Like, like, oh, like, I just got into it, like, last, last year. They're like, why? You're, like, 20. I'm like, this is the music I like. Yep. So, yeah, that, that yep. I, I hope it comes out. I hope that that was actually recorded for something. Yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah. 
but so Especially since I missed that tour. Yeah. It, it was short. It was only like five or six dates, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't come around here. So we're going to do our fictitious set lists. Now we're, what we're going to do is we're going to set this up. Uh, we're going to do pick our era, our lineup, and then we're going to dive into it. So Craig, what's your uh, era and lineup? So <clears throat> I am uh, going heavy on fantasy uh, with this. So my, my era is a 40th anniversary tour in 2006 that obviously did not happen. Uh, for some reason, Mike decided to be involved this go round, uh, even after the debacle that was the Justice Tour, you know, just <laughs> 10 years earlier. But um, this, uh, the kind of the way that I was thinking of it was, uh, you know, it was kind of going back to my days thinking of monkeys conventions and things like that, which were happening you know, at a fairly good clip in the 80s when I was a kid. And I saw one uh, in 2013 or 2014 where Mike performed um, pretty much his show uh, in the theater inside there. Uh, so my, uh, what I have put together is kind of a, um, Think like the official KISS conventions that happened back in 96. Okay. Um, this is uh, kind of along the lines of like uh, an official touring monkeys convention uh, because the 40th anniversary would have, you know, propelled them back as the 20th did. Uh, and this would be a set list of deep cuts that they would perform uh, for fans at conventions for the price of like, you know, an extra ticket to see this. And it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be a tour. It would be a, you know, select handful of shows where they just kind of did this deep cuts type of thing for fans. I like that. You put a lot more thought into this than, and than I, I just did. got really geeky. I, no, that's so cool. That would have been great too. Like, oh, if only, like it could have been like, Mike could have been like, this would be a good idea to just promote Rays. Like, get, <laughs> get the band back together and, and then do like a Ray song in the solo set. Like that. Yeah. That's, a, that would have been so cool. Like, Wow. Nice. Yeah. So nice. that's, and I went through very, I went through a lot of scenarios before coming up with this one, <laughs> but I was like, this is kind of the way that I, I get my not obligated to play the hits kind of set uh, by, you know, making it as part of a convention where the people there would not be casual fans. Um, you know, they would be going to hear things like this. And this is the one scenario where the monkeys kind of understand that and uh you know actually work up these songs they'd have a band but there is a segment where they do an acoustic spot uh so yeah i i, I put a, a little bit of thought into it nice so what i did is i like the i like the idea of the original like 97 justice tour where it was the four of them mm -hmm. uh but I, the twist i'm putting on it is everybody's a lot more happier and enjoying what they're doing <laughs> so and in this scenario they come to the u.s and they decided we're going to do some smaller club dates just for the fans. And we're going to play whatever the heck we want to play, whatever we feel like. So in okay. this case, I've been given this blank slate of songs to fill in. I've got 20, you've got 20. Mm -hmm. So let's dive right in, into it. Oh, one last thing, uh, like you mentioned, uh, there, it's just the four of them for me, but for, I gave them a solo set for the solo set. They have backing musicians to back them up. So like Mickey and, Peter don't need to back up Mike and Dave and Davey, you know, vice versa. 
Okay. So that's that's the world I, I'm living in. It's just the four of them. It's that garage band energy we we're kind of talking about. Gotcha. All right. Perfect. So do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Are we going to like bat it back and forth? How yeah. are we? We're going to okay. bat it back and forth, kind of like a track by track. Okay. Uh, so they're going to open with the song that I don't believe was ever performed live. Um, and uh, although they did lip sync to it once on television, and the opening track is Teardrop City. In lieu of Last Train to Clarksville, which will not be featured. <laughs> nice. Good choice. I like that. That's Thank kind you. of, people have said that's like, you know, Clarksville part two in a way. Oh, definitely. By the way, I also want to say that the one thing about my set list is that everybody gets equal time. Uh, oh. And every group of four songs, uh, each of them are represented uh, in every block of four. Nice. Okay. See, yeah. Wow. You really thought that through. <laughs> yeah. That's a good choice. Hold on, uh, geeky. And I love it. Uh, yeah, Teardrop City. It didn't make my list, but it was one. I was. It made my like list of like potential songs to be on it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not as familiar with Instant Replay. I don't know why I need to spend more time with that album. On uh, many days, it's my favorite. Hmm, interesting. Like I yeah. like it, but every time I listen to it, I go, I need to play this more, and I just end up going back to Birds and Bees and Pisces a lot. So yeah, and I understand that too. Uh, the thing about Teardrop City, I thought it would be a good opener. It's not necessarily a favorite song of mine. This isn't like, you know, uh, there's there's a 50-50 kind of balance here where uh, some of it is, uh, the, you know, this is not a list of my 20 dream monkey songs to hear. There would be some included that aren't here. Uh, although there are some I would love to hear on here that I'd never hear. Uh, but also the kind of like, this could be a feasible set, you know, if they took a couple weeks with a band and rehearsed this. Um, so, and I, it kind of, it's, it's a rough chronological thing too. Not, not strict, but it kind of follows a little bit of chronology. Uh, so I've gotten all that crap out of the way. So nice. Yeah. Good choice. Uh, Thank you. My, my opening number is I'm going with a song they have played live. And it's one of the few I'd say like frequent set list songs that's made my set list. But I love it so much. If I got the chance to see all four monkeys perform live, I would want to hear this. And that's Circle Sky. And 
the nice hard-hitting opener, all of the Missing Links 2 version we were talking about. Yes. Uh, it shows the ba- how good the band is. It shows them as a garage band. Uh, not the horrible Justice arrangement, even though that was right around the time of my show. Uh, the original, like, in-your-face angry version. Uh, I loved hearing this one when I saw them live, and I love hearing P- Peter play bass on the song on the Missing Links version. Yeah. Uh, this song is great. And I remember like I stood up and like screamed when, when they started playing the song live because yeah, I was on a quick side, sidebar. I was worried about Mike when I saw them live because yeah. uh, I, I wasn't shocked when that tour got postponed because uh, there were moments it seemed like he couldn't get his air. Like yeah. the second verse of Birth of an Accidental Hipster, like might not as might as well not have happened because he, he just couldn't get it out. Wow. And then he left the stage a few times. So I was kind of going, oh boy. Yeah, and I heard then, that from several people. And then when, he, when that song started, it was like he got like a bit of a second wind and he sounded great. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's a weird thing that happened. Yeah, check out the Circle Sky from the Pantages if you haven't seen it. It's amazing. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it's nice. real good. Nice, we're, off to, we're really off to a roaring good start. What you got yeah. next? So next is a song that I don't believe they had performed. But if you're going early monkeys, this is amongst the earliest. Uh, and it is uh, All the King's Horses. Mike coming in with the the second uh, track here. Of course, those of us who are my age, which is more than double your age, uh, <laughs> it you know, our memories of this song would be being thirteen and holding a portable tape recorder up to the TV to record this because it wasn't on any of the albums. I kind of had that moment. I didn't record it, but I remember watching the show for the first time, and when that song came up, I'm like, "What is this?" Yeah. Like, where can I get this? Where is, what is this? Yeah. So yeah, I, that, that was memories. on uh, Missing Links 2, right? It was, yeah. Remixed. Oh yeah? It wasn't the yeah. show mix? It wasn't the show mix. Show mix didn't come out officially until the debut um, Super Deluxe, okay. which I guess was 2014, I think, at this point. Yeah. Watch, watch for Mixing, mixing Links, photography <laughs> from Craig Smith. Eventually. Eventually. Someday. We'll get there. I hope so. <laughs> nice. Uh, my my track too. I'm keep, I'm staying in ahead. Uh, I gotta I gotta keep the energy up because I like big punchy openers. Uh, follow up Circle Sky with long title. <laughs>
like Auntie Griselda, but to me, this song is his, this is, is, it's his masterpiece. It's proto-punk. It's very loud and aggressive. And it's a great way to keep the intensity from the first song up. Like you don't lose anything like going from like Circle Sky to Long Title. If anything, you punch it up a little more. Yeah. So yeah. And Peter always sounded great singing that song live. I always loved seeing Long Title. It's one of my favorites. Um, and yeah, so good. It's, it's, it's always been weird to me that like, it seemed like his go-to song in the set was Auntie Griselda. Like, I'm... Yeah, and I never I never really liked it live. Like, I, you, Megan and I often kind of talk about it becoming like a soft shoe number. Yeah. That... Much, much like Going Down did. Like, both of those songs completely lost their edge live. Um, and the things, you know, the thing that makes Auntie Griselda interesting to me it's kind of the fuzz guitar and it's 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 kind of light psychedelic and you know it's tack piano when they play it live like it's it's just a completely different thing you know yeah live uh, was like some kind of weird disney romp like that was that's how yeah. I was thinking of it when i watched that uh what what's it called the the, the show from early 2000s that i watched on youtube uh oh, oh yeah the live summer tour yeah live summer well, tour yeah. that's it yeah yeah nice Awesome. So uh, we're on to uh, your number three. Okay. Uh, Peter takes the third slot in mine, and uh, he is doing I Don't Think You Know Me from um, uh, Missing Links. It's been released with practically everybody singing it. I think his came out on um, the Listen to the Band box set first. But uh, uh, it's been Feature of the Years, and he ended up doing this in 2011, I believe it was, uh, if not 2012. Uh, uh, so it was, it was good to finally hear live. But, um, you know, at this point in 2006, it would have been something that none of us would have heard live at that point. And all four of them playing it too. That would have been incredible. Correct. Yeah. Nice. So I assume at this point in the show, there's been some like after two songs of like two songs from Head that are like really intense. There's some banter. There's some laughs, and then it's time to lighten the mood a bit. So Mike's gonna sing "Sunny Girlfriend." This is one of my favorite mic vocals. It's a, it's got great energy. And this was like, 
I remember them playing this at the show I saw, like this is like the, maybe the third song in the set. And it's a little less intense than the first two, but it keeps it up. It's a good palate cleanser and it's one of the best songs on headquarters. It just makes me happy. Agreed. Yeah, always been a favorite of mine. Uh, I believe it's Megan's favorite uh, monkeys, Mike song, if not monkeys song. Um, that's my girlfriend. Yep. Uh, so uh, yeah, this is always one I enjoy. I was very happy to see them do it uh, in 2012 and beyond. Uh, yeah, always great. And and again, yeah, sung sung wonderfully by Mike. Awesome. All right. Uh, so Davey gets his turn at the mic uh, at this point um, and brings the, uh, the, the proceedings uh, a little bit slower with The Girl I Left Behind Me, which was... Uh... You told me not to try and tie you down So I just took my place and hung around said that you must be free well you couldn't see you were losing me and messing up the one good thing we had i'm going out the same way i came in the game is over now i couldn't win down inside i feel alive but this time girl i won't be back from now I'll turn around and see The girl I left behind me I told myself that Featured much later in the Monkees' discography but was cut in 1966. Um, so an album track, but one that I, I feel kind of gets uh, kind of gets buried a bit. I think that it's uh, a really, really strong song. Nice, good choice. I'm is that that's on instant replay too? The girl I left behind me. Yes. Nice. Yeah, that was a good one. That was another one I think that stood out to me when I was listening to that album. Nice choice. Uh, you're really representing that record really well. Thank you. Yeah, I don't. It think... deserves it deserves more love. I think it, it does. I remember the one. I don't think anything from it made my list, but I remember through the looking glass really stood out for me this week. So mm. yeah, good stuff. Yeah, uh, my favorite song from instant replay will not make it. Uh, Oh, I know but, who it is. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I was at least, and that's what I'm saying about, you know, it, it, this isn't my dream set list because I would have included some stuff that was really, you know, really far out. Yeah, yeah. plus for mine, like, there was certain stuff, like, I don't think the four of them could pull that off, like, without yeah. some without some help. Like, I love, like, one of my favorite songs, I love P.O. Box 9847 from Birds and Bees, but there's some psychedelic, trippy weirdness that, you need more than four people for you do or you need a moog there's something like that <laughs> so uh speaking of moogs and, and since oh. uh, since uh up next uh davy also gets his turn at the mic in my set uh his first vocal is going to be if you have the time if you have the time would you keep me in mind mind you i only want you kind if you're all alone would you pick up the phone and dial the number that you know who bring back the glow that's been gone for such a long long time i feel like i'm just acting like a fool talking to 
Nice. I think this is originally intended for the Monkeys Present. Uh, this is the type of pop song that Davey does really well to me. It's Agreed. a little, it's a, it's still a little like you know show tuney, like you know cuddly toy is, but I feel like this one works really well. And in my world, Mike's going to switch to bass, and then Peter mm. can flex his keyboard skills a bit. Mm. He, he can play that you know little Moog solo that's in the middle of the song. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I like that. Also, you know, it should be noted that you know. Most of us didn't get this song until um, Miss, when Missing Links came out in 1987. But the first appearance of it was in a rerun of The Monkees in the early 70s. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was substituted in quite a few episodes. When they, um, uh, they did it in 1967 with headquarters songs, they replaced uh, songs from the first two albums with headquarters songs. And some of those ended up being shown on Nickelodeon in the 80s. But then there's a whole string of episodes uh, from after the series was over where they went in and redubbed songs from Present and Changes. And I'd love to see them. Uh, Some of them might be out there. There's prints of them out there somewhere. But nobody has turned any up. Uh, But yeah, if, if you have the time, was that's where it was first heard was in the television series strangely enough that's so cool i didn't know that and it's funny i've always thought like if like the blu-ray i don't have the blu-ray thing i have the dvds but Mm -hmm. the blu-ray set sounded really cool and i always thought like i don't know how you would do this like it would probably take like a lot of disc space to make this a thing but i would love if you could have some episodes where you could like choose your own song to insert like i remember i used to have this def leppard dvd like it was just a collection of videos and you could basically do like a jukebox mode where you like right. pick the pick the running order you wanted. So I think it'd be cool. Like if you could like have the episodes and then like plug in your own like song for the romp. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, they do have um, on the Blu-ray, they do have a couple episodes with alternate soundtracks uh, where you could listen to the, the rerun version, but um, not as many as it was thought would originally be on there. Uh, but yeah, it would be great if you could just like, pick a romp and pick a song and have it, you know, line them up. There are people that do this on YouTube. You know, you, you can find them, people inserting like the strangest songs into <laughs> romps. Uh, and then then that becomes lore and people think, well, this is this actually happened. You know, uh, you know, this this version of the Frodus Caper where they're playing penny music, you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, and then people take that as fact and they're like, well, yeah. that happened. I saw it on YouTube. So <laughs> yes, it's dangerous. Yeah. Muddying I, the waters. The weirdest one I heard about, like, at least I thought this was weird is the devil and Peter Tork with, I, I never thought it peculiar. Yep. Like that just doesn't, that really doesn't set right with me. Like I was like, that's, that's like a poppy, beautiful love song. And that episode's kind of supposed to be like a little more dark. Like salesman was perfect for that. Yeah. That was great. You know, uh, yeah, that's when I always really would have wanted to see just what it's like. One of those morbid curiosity moments. <laughs> Very much so. Nice. All right. What you got next? Uh, so next, uh, Mickey is back on the mic. Uh, of course, we would hear this in 2011, but uh, it is not a monkey's deep cut show without all of your toys.
It's amazing that this song, A, wasn't a single, B, wasn't a hit, C, wasn't released at all until 1987. Just so sad because it's such a great song and just would have been, I mean, I think about like a headquarters with this or just like the single being this and the girl I knew somewhere instead of a little bit me, a little bit you, which was kind of like out of date by the time that they were going and doing the headquarters stuff. Uh, a little, or uh, all of your toys is just such a great, great song. Good choice. Yeah, didn't make yeah. my set list, but it was in my. Uh, I have a list at the end of like songs that didn't make the cuts. So uh, yeah, that w- that was one I considered too. That's a that's a great song. Yeah. And yeah, on uh, God, I think on headquarters. If you just, it's not that I don't like. I'll spend my life with you, but I I could I could trade that for all your toys. <laughs> yeah, like that. Would be- uh, that would be my my swap if I had one. Definitely. Yeah, that that or maybe you combine band six and, and zilch, zilch, and maybe you've got enough space. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, nice. Uh, good choice. Uh, up you. next, I'm giving Mickey his first lead vocal of the night with one of one of my favorite monkey songs, and also one of my favorite like vocals he recorded. I I love this the studio version of this, and that's sometime in the morning. cool uh he just makes the song soar it's an excellent pop song i saw him do this at the solo show and i was so happy he did it like i didn't think i was going to get to see it so when that came up in the set i was really happy it's not uncommon in a monkey set list but i do feel it's underappreciated and it doesn't get played like quite as often as some of the other stuff does yeah agreed i remember seeing him in in 1991 and he did this and uh i was beside myself it was so good I can't remember if they did it in 87 or 89. They might have. But yeah, it's one of those songs that kind of like, feel like it, it gets played like 25% of the time. Uh, and it should be so much higher, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take that over, over uh, I, I don't know, Davey doing Girl again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. agree. Or, or, or maybe not Girl, uh, the Oliver Medley. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's more of the stuff that started to get like, really grating in monkey set less when they would do stuff like that yeah wasn't my thing 
What's next? Uh, so uh, next, uh, uh, Davey uh, again, uh, doing a little bit of early morning blues and greens. A distant night bird mocks the sun. I wake as I have always done Two freshly scented sycamore And cold bare feet on hardwood floor My steaming coffee warms my face Disappointed in the taste But there's a peace the early brings The morning world of growing things um, Again, this is something David didn't do uh, while he was alive as far as I know uh, but Peter, uh, I believe it always said that, or at least said at some point, that if there was one track he wished that he would have had the vocal on, it would have been this. And he ended up doing it in 2012. Uh, so it was it was good to see. Um, but in this 2006 fantasy set list, uh, Davey is doing it for the first time. Nice. That's that's a good choice. Another headquarters track. I love, I love that song. The Great uh, Mood. Yeah, didn't make my list, but I love it. It's a nice little it's a nice little break between I think it's right between No Time and Randy Scouts Get on the album. Yeah. So it's a good little like like mood piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Nice. Uh up next for me, I'm gonna give Mickey another song since he's only had one so far. Uh Saturday's Child. Sad child, always feeling low down. Tuesday had a dream child, she's always on the go, so I'm in love with Saturday's child. Every time you take her out at night, you wanna kiss and hold her way up tight. You can tell the future's looking bright. This, is, this was an early favorite of mine. It's got that raw 60s rock sound. I love the riff. Great so- chance for Mike to show off his guitar playing a bit. And I'm surprised this wasn't more of a setless mainstay. It just screams the monkeys. Like if someone were to ask me what the monkeys sound like, this would be, I think this is a good song to play them. Yeah. So I, I was surprised. I don't think it showed up until like 2011. Yeah, that's true. That was the first time. That was the first time they'd ever done it. It was one of those where I was just like, whoa, never thought I'd hear this. Nice. Yeah, real good one. Um, and it sounded great when they did it uh, in 2011. Real, real good. I'm also, um, I'm also hoping that for this last tour, uh, Mickey will get behind the drums for, for a few songs and maybe do this one. Like, I've seen a video of him do this one. So. Yeah, it's it's always been a sticking point with me. Like, I, I always just prefer Mickey behind a drum set. It probably makes me a dick for saying that because, you know, 
he should be able to be wherever he wants to be on the stage. But I just never, I never warmed to Mickey with a guitar. Like when I saw him in 91, uh, and I, I'm, I'm told in 1986 he played some acoustic guitar, uh, but I didn't see that tour. But he didn't. He didn't in in 87 or 89. So when I saw him solo in 91 and he was playing guitar, I thought it was really strange. Um, and I, I just never ever got used to it. Um, but then when he'd get behind a drum set, I'd be like, yes, that's what that's what I was waiting for. Uh, so yeah, it's it's always good to see Mickey behind drums. I, I wish I just wish the more recent tours, there would have been more of it. Yeah, I, it's, it's weird to me because like, I've never seen that. I've only ever seen him with a guitar or like a tambourine in yeah. his hand. I've never seen him get behind a kit. So. Yeah, it's good times. Except in 1986 when he was playing those Simmons drums. I thought that was kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. I thought that was kind of <laughs> cool. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I love the 80s like vibe of things so much, but I love those like weird octagon-shaped drum sets that were around at the time. And to see him up front playing that, Singing last train to Clarksville. I don't know. Maybe kind of happy. Yeah, it's it's definitely weird. It's definitely a, a product of the era, which is why it was so strange in '87 uh, when you know I saw them because all I knew was like footage that I've seen of the '86 tour, and then when you know '87, I'm there and they start and he's behind the drum set and I'm like, whoa! Like I didn't expect that at all. I thought he was oh. going to be in the front with the you know the Simmons pads and all that stuff but he was actually behind the drums for a good amount of the 87 show it was pretty great I always wondered what what it was like in the uh, for some of those 80s tours like if he was more like because I saw a bit of the one where he's playing the Simmons drums but like when you get to 87 89 was he more out front then or was he really like staying behind the kit like what was it was you know it was on and off like last train to Clarksville he started off the set playing drums behind the drums um, and there were songs like She where he would come out and be a front man, but there were also things where he'd just hang in the back and play drums, you know. Interesting. Yeah, and it was always great because I want to see them play instruments. Like, watching him play drums while Peter plays guitar is, you know, very pleasing, you know, to me as a 14-year-old and a 48-year-old, so. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right, what you got next? Next, uh, Mike back on the microphone uh, for a little bit of, and this is a song they played back in the 60s. Uh, There exists them doing it at a show in Japan uh, and it is Salesman. Salesman, where you gonna go sell all of your goods today? Salesman, gonna walk along the street, see friends along the way. Along while you walk, a salesman got a little dog who's a tail wags when you talk. Always wear a smile, even though you gotta walk ten miles. Short lifespan, good time salesman. Yep, yep, salesman boy on the street. Whether it's hot or cold, I, th- I think it's a song that. Uh, just kind of like when I look at songs that I really wish I would have seen them do, uh, admittedly, selfishly, this is one of them. And I feel like, uh, I feel like it would be, it would just like rock things up after, uh, uh, uh early morning blues and greens. That's so funny. Cause my next song is salesman. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what I wanted to see too. I remember, uh, right before the Mike and Mickey show tour happened, there being a Rolling Stone article 
and they're like, we're trying out, out different songs. Like we're trying out salesman. I was like, I had my fingers crossed that that would be in the set. Yeah. And sadly it wasn't. So this is my chance to have that, that happen. It's the first song on the first monkeys album I ever listened, listened to. So, and that pulled me in yeah. right away because the song to me, like, I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't that when I put that on, it's this kind of folk rocky trippy song about a dude selling drugs and it's really good. I bet the band sounds really good playing this live. Uh, yeah, so cool. And yeah. I'll have a bag of Frotus, Mr. Salesman. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to have, to have seen it. Uh, also written by a, a gentleman named Craig Smith. Really? Yeah. Huh, I did not realize that. I thought that was a Mike, Mike Nesmith original. Nope, nope. I think, didn't isn't there footage of them doing this like with Sam and the Good Timers on some show? Oh, uh, no, it's... um. They're doing it on the Glenn Campbell show. It's part of the medley with, I think it's with Last Train to Clarksville. And maybe, That's uh, it. Yeah, it's 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 three songs really juxtaposed, to, you know, thrown together badly. But it's it's the only footage you'll see of them performing Salesman. Yeah, I remember. I thought I thought I saw I thought it was with Sam and the Good Timers. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing that like when I was like just watching Monkeys footage one night. So yeah, that's a really cool performance. Yeah, I think I think it's just them on the stage, um, if I remember correctly. And while we're on it, what a interesting tour that had to be—the Sam and the Good Timers tour. Yeah, that the, those '69 shows, man. I, I there's one that circulates on bootleg, and the sound is really bad, but it's <laughs> like. It's like, what a crazy set list. And, and I just wish that, you know, that you can look on um, YouTube and there's like eight millimeter video or whatever it is of home movies taken during that tour. And you'll see like five seconds of them up on stage doing something. And it's like, God damn, like, why can't there be a show out there from 69 in decent quality? It's, it's so sad. Yeah, it's one of those like fascinating tours. Like I'm always fascinated yes. by the real by the really weird ones like that, and that that Davy Jones Peter Tork tour I me- I mentioned. Like I would love to see some of that tour. Weird. Like, I, yeah. I, I know there's some like interview footage from that tour, but I've not seen any like like live video of it. Like always the weird stuff. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Megan and I did an episode fairly recently where we went through the tours. And I was reading the set list off. And like you said before, going to buy me a dog. What? Like insanely weird. Right? Just right on the cusp of, yeah. you know, the reunion and MTV and stuff like that. Just so weird where all this stuff falls. I'd also like to tell people to check that episode out. That's the Davy Jones episode you guys did. Thank you. Yeah, that, that I really enjoyed that one because you had a really good conversation about Davy and talked about some things that, you know, I feel like some people don't like critiquing someone after they've passed and you guys kind of weren't afraid to like bring up some of the more unfortunate points about him, but it was, it was still a good talk. I thought. Well, thank you. I mean, it's, it's interesting because we recorded it and then COVID hit uh, and it was like scheduled to go like the next week. And it was like, I don't, I don't really know that we can put this out right now at a time where like the world is uncertain. And this feels like it, we might be sitting on like a bomb of negativity, but think you know one of the fascinating things about the monkeys is that you know as much as much success as as they have had they're tragic figures too because you know there are times where they didn't want to be known as what they were known as like it would have been great if you know davy would have had a great solo career in the 70s and 
didn't have to rejoin the monkeys in 1986. Like, right. I, I think at various points of time, except maybe Mickey, I think that, you know, there were times where they might've done it reluctantly or wished that it had been something else. And so it's kind of like, it's shitty that they never actually all got their shit together at the same time for a period of time. Uh, <clears throat> and Davey, it's just like, you know, he's, he's a Broadway guy. So like you watch these shows and it's like, it's so weird that like this was happening and he was putting on this show and that, you, you know, people in Japan were eating it up, you know, him <laughs> doing star collector, uh, it's 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 just so weird. That whole period of time is so weird. So Megan and I, yeah, it's it's something. Um, we got a response from Seven A that wasn't uh, particularly, um, and it was probably something I would have expected. Uh, we got we got a comment on the episode from Seven A saying, you know, I, I kind of wish that you had read the book that came with the CD. You would have understood why this tour was important to Davey. And I was like, I didn't get into it on Facebook, but the point is really, it's not just about this tour. It's about all of the questionable decisions that all right. of the monkeys have made over the years. And Davey absolutely sabotaged things that could have been great. Like not being a part of the 86 single, you know, it starts there and there are just things that, that go. So I, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that. And I appreciate it. You know, I, I think her and I had wanted to, have a let's kind of talk about the problematic sides of the monkeys and that was kind of where we started with it so yeah. thank you for that yeah no and that's that's really surprising to me that 7a took it that way because it didn't like it didn't color my opinion of wanting to watch the dvd any less like the only reason i haven't watched the dvd yet is i have more time to listen to music than mm. i have time to watch it right so so and i mean i didn't think it was negative that japan show even when I, and I, I've had that show since I was like 14 or 15, I had it on VHS. And even then I was like, what the fuck was Davey thinking? Just like yeah. uh, these outfits and coming out on like a little motorcycle. And then he gets off the motorcycle and he's like, <laughs> you know, uh, just the, he, he's so, he's so happy. And I get that. He, uh, the one thing he wanted to do was perform but like you watch that and you're like, it, it's so weird that this was a pocket of fandom and he was this kind of, you know, very just Broadway guy. It's it's so weird. But that's what makes the monkeys what they are, the way they all fit together. I mean, it's that blurb on the back of headquarters. You know, they all brought this to the puzzle and this is the whole. Yep. And while the whole works, for me, the pieces often didn't. Like I, I actively avoided some solo tours and things like that. I think, I think out of all of them, Peter was the one that got solo performances, right? Like he was playing, you know, with an acoustic guitar doing a club and not kind of like fronting this band doing Vegasy arrangements of your hits from the sixties, you know? So it's, it's really interesting and it's okay to not like parts of it. It's okay. People think I'm nuts for, you know, the times where I've wanted to see the monkeys and the times where I didn't. If I didn't go, it was because, you know, I think I saw what I wanted to see. And maybe this time coming up might not be adding to what I want 
right. being a fan of the monkeys. I don't need to see everything. I don't need to experience everything. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of interesting seeing the way that people respond to fandoms. You know, there are people that think that, you know, everything the monkeys did were great and Peter did not fuck anybody uh, or take a drug. And those sections of fandoms are are just kind of silly and yeah. you know have their head in the sand so it's it's uh i've gone on a lot i feel like i'm doing uh the davy episode part two yeah uh, I, with I you like, I, I, just, I was like <laughs> i'm just gonna let this tangent happen because <laughs> this is perfect <laughs> yeah no, uh, it. It, was, it was it was a good time we'll just yeah, say that but but salesman great song and, <laughs> is and, that where we were <laughs> yeah we were we were on salesman and i will i will say also for solo shows um the one solo show I really wish I could like go back in time and see is the one, the last one Peter did where he was like telling stories. Yes. Like I've seen the set list and even though like, I don't really know folk music that well, it just looks so fascinating. And the idea of it sounds really cool to me. Megan saw it. Oh uh, really? Yeah. It was before nice. her and I knew each other. And I, I don't, I guess maybe it didn't come around here. I don't know why I wouldn't have seen it. Looking at that set list, I would have absolutely wanted to go. Uh, and I, I, you know what, I, I take back kind of what I said, because Mike's done great solo tours since, oh, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's the Davey and, and Mickey ones that I always kind of had a little bit of issue with. But, um, yeah, I would have loved to have seen that that Peter solo tour. Him and him and the guitar, I mean, I saw him twice with James Lee Stanley in the mid-90s. And so great. Just really, really good. James Lee Stanley. Is that the guy he did that like collaborative album with? Yep. One man or two man band. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I have that on the shelf. I don't think I've ever listened yep. to it. No. Yeah. It's pretty good. Interesting. Pretty good. Yep. Nice. All right. So I think it's your turn. Okay. Uh, so Peter uh, at this point um, with, with, with light accompaniment from the others does a song called Merry Go Round. song that i think first came out on missing links three yep uh those of us that indulged in the super deluxe editions got several versions of this uh it's one of those songs in the early uh 68 where he just kind of kept uh diddling with the arrangement and things like that and uh so for peter for several peter songs there are several versions of them floating around this is one of them uh, but I always thought it was, and it's a cool, just little ditty, little breather, because what is going to come after this is going to be blistering. Nice. I, I, I like that song too. So I listened to Missing Links 3 for the first time this last week, and I don't know why it took me so long. I think the only reason I never really gave it a spin was because like I bought it when I was like, am I got to catch them all th like thing? And I, that one's hard to find. So I picked it up. Yeah. And I see like, it's like there's like Kellogg's jingle and we'll be back parts one and two. I'm like, okay, this is probably scraping the bottom of the barrel. Maybe I don't need to listen to this just yet. Boy, yeah. was I wrong. 
boy, was I fucking wrong. Uh, and I, I listened to it this week, and that one, it didn't make my list, but again, it really stood out to me. Like, like it was very haunting, very chilling at the end. Yeah, like, it's cool. Oh, it's just a merry-go-round that made, it's just a thing that made people happy. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's got yeah. a great ending. Um, I half agree with you on Missing Links 3. When I bought it, I did think it was scraping the bottom of the barrel. And I'm saying this as a fan, and it's not a complaint, but like I felt that the outtakes, I thought when we're getting into like shake them up and let them roll uh, and, and things like that, I was like, uh, it's, it's, I feel like that one is kind of like 50% here. Uh, but like the inclusion of like the Kellogg's, like that's the kind of stuff I love. Really? The Kellogg stuff and the music bridge, like the Kool-Aid spot that we hear many years later, like the, I thought those things were pretty cool. But some of those, some of those outtakes, I thought were starting to get into. Maybe we've. Heard, uh, I should just put it this way: the best songs were already given to us on Missing Links One and Two. Yeah. Uh, three is going to pale in comparison, just because of the great songs that have already been used. Uh, right. So scraping the bottom of the barrel might be a little too harsh, but this is a lot of it is second tier material. In my opinion, it's interesting that we had that same reaction to it. That's so cool. But yeah. Yeah, I saw it sitting on the shelf. I'm like, I paid 20 <coughs> bucks for that thing. I should probably listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Good, good choice. You paying secondhand inflated prices for monkeys. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to have it physically. If not, it doesn't exist to me. Like, like there's an album, uh, coming out by uh, Tyler, the creator, who's a modern like rap R&B guy who I really like. And the physical is not coming out for months. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I don't need to hear it yet. And yeah. like everybody's tweeting about it online. And I'm, I'm a, my brain just like, it's not real yet. It doesn't <laughs> exist exist yet. It doesn't, you can't hold it. It doesn't exist. Yeah, I, I concur. I agree with that. Yeah, that's, that's, I, that's my weirdness. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So good choice. I was not expecting that at all. So yeah. Good, well, good. you know, like I said, they all have equal time, and Peter's got a very small pool to pull from. Right. Like, so. it's it's funny. I think, I don't remember where you mentioned this at some point, but you said you, like, love for there to be, like, a collection where, like, like the best of Mickey, the best of Mike, the best of Davey, and the best of Peter. And there's something like that for Kiss called Icons, where it's, like, yeah. four CDs. There's, like, a Gene, a Paul, an Ace, and a Peter CD. And I was like, that'd be cool if you did it for the Monkees, but could you really do it? Because would Peter have enough to fill out, like, a CD? <laughs> interesting you should say that because um there is somebody who did a uh like a line of monkeys fantasy lps um and their monkeys present was um four solo discs and peters i think had like all of the takes of ladies baby on one side (laughs) and then the others but mickey had less like his was like experimental, like took Shorty Blackwell and Randy Scouse get and made these weird electronic variations of them. Uh, so I guess, you know, down to how much material, I mean, you have a very solid Davy record in, in, you know, 69 and a very solid Michael record in 69, but Mickey and Peter are a little bit lacking. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Good choice. Uh, up next, I'm going to have Davey sing again. He's going to bring the rock with my soul pick from Changes, 99 Pounds.
more garage rock fun. Uh, this one just kicks, and I bet it'd be great for the band to play this one live. Like, yeah. Davey gets a chance to like rock and not not do his Broadway shtick. I like I love his screams on the studio version. I bet he could pull those off live. Yeah. And we substitute that organ solo for a lovely guitar solo from Michael. Oh, there you go. So yeah, it's just a chance for the band to cook a bit, little more on stage. Uh, it changes is a weird album to me. Like, I want to like it more than I do because I like digging into the weirder sides of bands. Yeah. But it some of it just kind of like leaves me like just meh but that song that song i really like so that's yeah. my pick yep understandable changes is a bit of a grower it took me many years to appreciate it i like it more than present interesting um, I, yeah I, i'd probably put changes uh, you know maybe further towards the middle in terms of like my monkeys ranking uh but yeah uh, uh enjoyable song would be great to hear live uh, Davey also is next on mine, but the one that you will get at my show is the uh, absolute insane, my favorite Davy Jones track uh, featured on Instant Replay. It's You and I, not the, not the you and I from Justice, but the you and I from Instant Replay. Which is my absolute favorite Davy track. I love the way that the song rocks. Uh, Neil Young lead guitar, amazing. Oh, wow. absolutely amazing. That's so crazy. Like, well, I didn't realize Neil played on that. I know Ben Keith, yep. who worked with Neil, played on some monkey stuff. I had no idea. Idea Neil played on some stuff. That's cool. Yep. Yep. Nice. Yeah, real good. And that's my deep dive right now is Neil Young too. So that that's perfect. I, now I oh, gotta, there you go. Now I got to go re-listen to Instant Replay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good choice. I don't. It's that one didn't stick in my head that much, but that's probably oh, one like it. If I if I spend some more time with it, I probably like it a lot more. So, yeah, yeah it's one of the, a just great side two opener, just kicks your ass. It's great. Nice. And yeah, Neil Neil's such a good guitar player. That's that's perfect. Yeah, I, I can see why you wanted to work with the Monkeys though. He has that obsession with trains. Last train to Clarksville. Right. I get it. There you go. Yeah. Right, Midnight Train. Uh, yeah. Uh, so up next, I'm going to go Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones, uh, a song from the elegant pump room of the magnificent, magnificent Palmer House, a lovely ballad called Don't Call on Me. down for a moment mike's 
vocal on this is so cool, so beautiful. Real good. I always thought, I wondered between this and Rio, did Michael Nesmith inadvertently invent Yacht Rock? Like, it's very possible. So, yeah. Yeah. I I love love this song. It's so pretty and floaty. Uh, And Davey picks up the bass on this one, so Peter can add little keys to it. Just a wonderful live track. And probably never played live. I'm I'm certain of it. Yeah, I'm fairly certain it was never performed live. Uh, But yeah, absolutely one of my favorites. I would love to hear that uh the the song i have uh is from the same album but this is mickey's turn at at the microphone with a mic song this is something they would do in 2012 uh which blew my mind it's one of those songs i never thought i would hear live and it's daily nightly favorite since first seeing it on the television series uh in fact it was one of those songs uh and i can't quite remember why i I know that there were there were episodes where the at the end it listed songs that weren't in the episode or they were wrong yeah so i don't know uh, this is a song i specifically remember trying to find um and not being able to find it uh, I feel like that's how it goes. And, we, and I remember, you know, at some point, uh, not just with this, but with some other songs, just like dropping the needle all over the record, trying to find like that <laughs> one song from an episode uh, that I didn't know the name to. Uh, for Pete's sake was one. Uh, hearing it in the in the closing credits and just not knowing what song it was. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Daily Nightly, one of my absolute favorites. I love it. Uh, that was in my, uh, that had a potential to make my list. It unfortunately didn't, but I, I just watched uh, a video of them doing that live on that tour you m- mentioned. And I thought that was so cool. Yeah. yeah the that, that, Mike doing the Moog sounds with his yeah, mouth. That was, that was funny. I thought that was cool. Great. Yeah. Good stuff. Good choice. Yeah. All right. So up next for me, this is in my top two monkey songs of all time. I freaking love this song. I know they've done it live before, and this is the, like, if I could pick one song for the Farewell Tour, this is my pick. This is the one song I would want to add to the set list, and that's Zor and Zam. The king of Zor, he called for war, and the king of Sam, he answered. They fashioned their weapons one upon one. Ton upon ton they called for war at the rise of the sun. Out went the call to one and to all that echoed and rolled like the thunder. 
trumpets and drums, roar upon roar, roar upon roar, rolling the call of come now to war. Throughout the night they fashion their might with right on the side of the mighty. They puzzle their minds, plan upon plan, man upon man, and the dying of I love yes. this song. It's so huge and Mickey's vocal just builds and builds and it's passionate. And I love the message of the song too. Too Like, I love the idea of like people just leaving like the leaders to fight themselves. Like, you know, yeah. underneath I'm like, and I feel like live as a four man song, this could get really cool and raucous. Like you could have Davey doing some extra percussion mm -hmm. and guitar could be cranked up a little bit more. Um, and Peter could do some keys to compensate for the horns a bit if he wanted to. Yeah. It's all about dynamics. Yeah, it would be so cool. And I can see, I can, it'd probably also be interesting to see Mickey play the drums and sing this song because he's almost like screaming at the end. Yeah. So yeah, th I like this song a lot. Even when I got that Mickey Live in Japan release from 7A last year, the first thing I did when I put it, put the CD in is I skipped to Zor and Zan because I wanted to hear a live version of it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's my choice. I think they did it. I think the last time they did it was that 87 tour, but they did it in 87. He had a, uh, a snare drum around his neck and kind of played at the oh, front of the stage. That's so cool. Yeah. Snare drum with a peace sign on it. It was pretty great. Nice. nice. Yeah. And I don't know if I, maybe that was the last time they did it. Cause I don't remember ever seeing it done again. Uh, but yeah, in 87, it was great. I remember I actually probably still have it somewhere. Um, Back in the, the 80s, monkey business fanzine, people would sell pictures that they took. And somebody took these great shots in 87. And, and I have one of Mickey with the, the drum that I got to send to you. It's, it's, it's great. Yes. Um, that, that 87 stage was so crazy. There was just shit all over the stage. Uh, and uh, I love those pictures because it's like, it wasn't the show I saw and it was outdoors. Ours was indoors, but it's like the only memory that I have of that stage is as close as I can ever get to it because I've never seen any great pictures or video from the tour. Uh, so it's nice to, to kind of look at that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I have no idea if there's any realm of possibility of them busting it out for the tour, but man, that'd be cool. And I think that's so cool. They made him like a drummer boy for the song. Yep. Like that's a really cool visual. Uh, the one thing that's I gotta awesome. say extra about it is uh, I do not like the TV version of the song. I feel like the vocal is really flat on that. Agreed. Yeah, I I, I don't think you'd be alone in that. Uh, it's it's really really lacking. Yeah, yeah. But I I remember my favorite Monkeys album was Birds Bees and the Monkeys, and when that song came on like the first time, like I had to repeat it a bunch of times just because it's so cool. It's really short but I just love that song so much. And my, my show would not be complete without it. So yeah. And, so and what a great album ender, you know, it's, right? it's crazy. Yeah. It, it really leaves you like, just kind of like, whoa. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, what you got next? Uh, so next uh, is a, a song that uh, was first featured on Missing Links 1. Uh, Mike ended up doing it on his solo album under a different title. And it's Carlisle Wheeling. One, two, three, four.
precious things come into view When I bore it through the fires Taken off my metal shelf I dusted off some memories of you Then I thought about the time When all the birds green How the phoenix of our love First flapped its silken wings All the urgency and passion Each new day as it happened How it all mellowed as it grew he has on present i do not like and then i think like this was in the fucking can like why 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 not put this out and you could say the same about almost all of his late 67 into 68 stuff that he recorded all of it's killer there's so much good stuff there i mean you can absolutely assemble you can assemble an album 10 or 12 tracks out of mike's stuff from 68 that didn't end up on an album and it would be better than maybe any monkeys album it was that good and just the fact that it sat you know it is so weird that's kind of like part of my obsession with the monkeys is all of the stuff they recorded that was pushed aside and basically we've heard most of it uh since 1987 through various releases and andrew sandoval has been instrumental and you know getting that stuff out uh but you think like they recorded as many songs that didn't get released as the ones that did and they're good some of them better than what came out and it's so weird like that's why the whole fantasy monkey's fantasy thing really um intrigues me because you can put together just out of all the pieces we've been given, you can make all of these albums better with other songs from the time. It's yeah. it's so interesting to me. Right. And unlike you, I like Oklahoma Backroom Dancer and Never Tell a Woman Yes. <laughs> honestly, I would swap any either of those in a heartbeat for Carlisle Wheeling. That song is oh, yeah. phenomenal. Like, And I don't know what it is, but it didn't really click with me. Like, I enjoyed it when I first heard Missy Links 1, but something about when I heard it on the... Um, Dolan sings Nesmith album. Something about that, I, it really finally clicked with me, and I understood the yeah. song finally. So yeah, yeah, good good choice. That was that's in my list of you know could have been in the show for me too. That's a that's a great song. Yeah, just and good I, memories. You know, all of those missing links songs. Just because of the age I was when I found that and first heard it and was fascinated by it, like just good memories of all of those songs. Really. Oh yeah, totally. And didn't they bust that out for a short time when they? put the Mike and Mickey tour back on the road. They like, wasn't did. That yeah. I feel was like that? that was, I feel like that was one of the songs they did in the second half, maybe like, uh, yeah. And the acoustic set. Yeah. We didn't get that. We didn't get some of Shelly's blues. I think they did that now and then maybe. I got um, that. okay. Yeah. I, I feel like those songs kind of got cycled in and out a little bit. Our show was a couple songs shorter than most. Uh, and I feel like that's the spot that kind of took the hit. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, just, a favorite yeah i i, I was uh they, they before my show they cut uh steam engine and grand on we from the set yeah 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 that's a, that, that's un unfortunate but i did get i got summer shelley's blues and i got nine times blue as well yeah really yeah. cool uh that it was so funny hearing that song live because the day of the show i got a, a little five cd box set of 
the first five Nesbitt solo albums in the mail. Yeah. Yep. That and uh, I was listening to like the first couple like uh, Magnetic South and Loose Salute before the show, and then to go and see him play it live, it was just kind of it was kind of trippy because that was like my favorite song I'd heard. That's great. Album, so. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I was love like, it. I was like, I love this, and and then he goes, and then he goes, this is I wrote this for my first wife, and he plays Nine Times Blue. And Amazing. Incredible. Hey everybody, the Slide Dog jumping in here to let you know. So this was part one of part two. The episode ended up being much longer than I anticipated because we got so much great monkeys talking, me and Craig. Uh, the show was a blast to record. I hope you're enjoying it so far. You're enjoying Setless Dreams. So I hope you enjoyed part one of our monkeys Setless Dream. Tune in a week from now if you're listening on release day for part two. Thanks a lot. I'm the Slide Dog. Peace, love, and music. Woo, woo, woo. The king of the sword, he called for a war, and the king of Sam, he answered. They fashioned their weapons, one upon one, ton upon ton, they called for war at the rise of the sun. Out went the call, to one and to all, that echoed and rolled like the thunder. Trumpets and drums, roar upon roar, roar upon roar, rolling the call of come now to war. Throughout the night they fashion their might, with right on the side of the mighty. They puzzle their minds, plan upon plan, man upon man, and the dying of dawn, the great war began. listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.